Hallelujah. Well, let's lift our hearts to the Lord just one more time and just thank Him for being with us today. We thank You, Lord. We want to praise You in advance for the next level of things You're releasing in our lives. It's like the Lord is, uh, it's, you know, a facade. The Lord showed me a little while ago um, a big brick structure that was always there, like in a opposition. And then within the next moment, he showed me that it was cardboard and it fell down. And there are things that have been a, a facade of the adversary that have been like resisting our lives. And the Lord goes, let me show you what this really is. It's just cardboard about to fall over. And it doesn't have the same weight, same power, same... And there's something about us becoming stronger inside that the Lord is set to do in these days. You're not going to be... How many of you have ever read that, um, was it Hind's Feet on High Places, where the little much afraid became grace and glory, and God took the little much afraid person and they became, over the trials and the transformation of their life, became a new person in the Lord. And the Lord has that for us. He wants us to... The things that you were a little much afraid about, he wants to cause you to rise up with a spirit that is much greater because he wants others to come in and rest under this this beautiful work of God that's in you, that you're the one now. Instead of running for shelter, you're the one that's releasing the shelter because the Lord has created this capacity in you. And that's what we want to, a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. So one more prayer. Father God, I ask that you would cause the light bulbs in our hearts to open up. I truly ask that you would help us all get on, you know, like your your bus, so to speak, and go forward in what you have for each person as we talk about this concept of destiny. I ask that you would open our eyes in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Knowing the subject of your destiny in Christ motivates other disciplines. You know, if you don't know what he's called you to, you're not too hip about buckling down, you know. It fuels the desire to cultivate the disciplines that release your destiny. And I think some, on some level, everybody in here can agree that life contains suffering. Is that right? Everybody, there's some, hey, uh, some kind of suffering is going to show up in your life. If it hasn't come yet, buckle up. <laughs> some kind of, every, in effect, every, every religion or ideology all agrees that Suffering is going to be this, it's a universal thing. And even on, uh, it comes from Jesus' lips, but the difference between what Jesus says about it and what the world says about it is that he says, I'm going to be with you. That's a big difference. You can say, oh, suffering will do certain things. And yes, it will without him. Yes, suffering will do. And you can make choices in your heart. But I'm going to go ahead and say this. I don't care what religion you're in when you're crying out. Those are false gods. And the Father God loves people so much, even though that they're calling out to a false God, he'll just go ahead and answer the prayer because he loves people too much. He'll straighten that out later. He just loves people, even in their confusion. He's not judgmental like you or me. He's beyond that. He cherishes souls no matter where they are. If you could imagine just for one minute, if you could see... Every single person the way he does. Don't you think that would change your life? 
If you saw somebody tormented, tormented, you would see the preciousness of what hell's trying to destroy because God has a, a special destiny for that person. There's something so sweet and so special. So Jesus actually said it this way, John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And in the world you'll have tribulation. This world, tribulation, this, uh, is a really interesting word. It means to crush, to squeeze. Suffering has a lot to do with things that are sent to crush and squeeze you out and do all this kind of stuff, right? But he says, take heart, over, overcome the world. And I like the Passion Translation. How many of you have read some of the Passion Translations? It can get really, like, passionate. So here's the, here's, the, here's the Passion Translation. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you a great confidence as you rest in me. Isn't that wonderful? For this, for in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. So in the midst of suffering, we mess up, we wander around, we get into more trouble trying to solve it with our inward pains without God's help. How many of you have done a lot of that stuff? You just, as you try to, you're wandering around without God, it's this or that, whatever, fill in the blank, your own story, your own goof-ups, your own mess-ups. And without the deep inward help of the Lord, we choose to believe that everything depends completely on us, just like you said earlier. It's just a trip. Therefore, fretting and anxiety on the, are just the average person's lot in life. It just comes that way. Here, religion says, look, religion says, I messed up. Dad's going to kill me. That's religion. But the gospel says, I messed up. I need to call Dad. It's completely different. And if you're not there, see, you need, you need to have the, the Jesus heal you in your psyche. <laughs> Everybody feels somehow deeply inside that you're created for some kind of purpose. Everybody has that sense of, you know, that, that you're unique from somebody else. And that uniqueness can be disregarded and rejected to your own peril or embraced and cultivated so that you lead to a more fulfilling life. You're unique by God's design. One of the things that I believe the Lord, uh, why he loves people, I've been contemplating this stuff because I'm going, you know, it's been a long journey to realize the depth of God's love and it's so deep you'll never get it all. But I think part of it is this, that he created you and he knows why. And he knows how you'll shine once he's walked you through a redemptive process. He loves you and wants to bring you to the fullness of what he's intended you to be. Now, Robert Browning had this little quote that was in my utmost verse highest years ago. It says, unless a man's grasp exceeds his reach, then what's a heaven for? It's really an interesting thing. It's about potential. It's about potential. This beautiful, I wrote this down, this beautiful sentiment encapsulates the thought that you and I are designed by God to reach for what seems impossible to us. But in Christ and through God's act of grace within us, we can rise and become something God intended all along. 
We are created with innate potential that is activated by our deepened relationship with Father God through Christ. Listen to this. He will love your greatness up out of you because of the confidence His love instills. I got that on my own. God's going to love the greatness of what He made you up right on up out of you. Because He's got this, he's, He knows His love will create a confidence in you. Somebody praise the Lord. Just, I want to move my little thing over just a very Here. Proverbs 29.18 says this, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Are you ready to see this in the Passion Translation? Are you ready? When there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the Word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. <laughs> So Father God is the dad of dads, perfect in his depth of love for you because it's shown in Jesus sacrificing him, his life for you. This is the picture of God's love for you. And uh, he's the only one that can bring it about, bring about the destiny. So I want us to look for a minute at this process that he kind of walks us through. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. Let's go ahead and look at this verse. But now says the Lord, he who, everybody say, created you. O Jacob, he who, everybody say, formed you, formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have what? Redeemed you. I have what? Called you by name, and you are mine. Now look at this next verse. When, it's not if. This doesn't say if you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. It says when. When and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire. Not if you walk through a fire someday, a fire is headed your way. You will not be burned and the flame will not consume you. Why? Because He's with you. See, He's with you to form something in you that wasn't there through the redemptive process that He's created you. And how many of you know you've just been way too full of yourself? <laughs> way too full of you. It's funny how the Lord gives us a dream that from Him and then we think, we're going to do it. <laughs> it's part of the Adamic orphan mentality that thinks you're going to do something God says you're going to do, like you're really going to do it. Yeah, right. No, He's going to do it. You're going to surrender. Even Jesus learned obedience through suffering. He came and set aside everything that was in Him that was uh, God's capacities, and He didn't function on that anymore. He functioned on complete surrender to the Holy Spirit and for the Father's will inside. That's how Jesus did it. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. It, well, since He's the one that brings many sons to glory, I wonder how we'll learn it. We're going to learn it the same way, right? So let's just look at these real quick. This is going to go, I think, fairly quickly. He created you, number one. He created you. Isaiah 64, 8 affirms this. But now, O God, our Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. So the Lord says, I've created you. How many of you really just went, I don't like what he made? Have you ever done that? 
You're different. Affirming environments amazing. I'm going to just tell you my. I think thank God for a spiritual dad that rubs off on you. You can only go as far as models that you understand what can be. I want everybody in here to fulfill all that God has uniquely gifted in them to manifest. What if we mess up? I'll mop it up. Who cares? I want you to live in the fullness of what God's... Look, I'm done with the devil beating you up and you staying put. We're tired of that. I want you launching out and becoming all that God's intended you to be. Praise you, Jesus. So we're just going to say, insecurity, get out of the house. God created you and he don't make any junk. Next, he formed you. I was, Jeremiah, the very first part of 1-5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He knew what he was doing when he was forming you. He knows what he was doing. And then this thing about uh, we get on this kick of how we mess it all up. But he says, but I've redeemed you. First Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold for you, from your aimless, is that a good one, aimless conduct? How many of you, dear Lord, does, does the Bible tell the truth? Your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers. Hey, you grew up in aimless conduct. <laughs> but you weren't, you weren't redeemed with that. You're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of the Lamb without blemish and without spot. So here's the thing. I love your business. You, 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 there's two, two ladies in here have, have businesses that they restore. They work on restoration. Isn't that incredible? That's a calling, spiritually and in the physical realm. They create and restore. Let's praise the Lord for that. Praise you, Lord. That, and may, here's the thing. When they do that, there's an anointing. of uh, There's something of the Lord's presence in it, and, and that reaches beyond them and touches people because of that spirit of restoration. So it's wonderful. Hallelujah. And he says, I called you by name. Isaiah 54, 4, for the sake of my servant Jacob, Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I was sitting at the table one time and uh, at, in North Carolina. My mother was down here. My dad was over here. And uh, my dad was in the Air Force, and um, he flew, every, you know, they flew planes, and they would pick up, they go, Roger, Roger, what's Roger mean? Roger means the communication has been received and understood. And I'm sitting at the table, and the Lord says to me, your mom and dad didn't name you, I did. I named you. Is anybody receiving? Say, Roger that. Roger that. <laughs> you by your name. Some of you, you have 
so special. Uh, there's, a, there's a reason you named your kids the reason you, you named them, see, and there's this biblical prophetic word over their life. Some spiritual parents see that and they say, we're going to call forth this, this work of the Spirit that's in this Bible person, that anointing on them. We want this to go upon them, right? That's a wonderful thing. Then he says this, by the way, this called by your name, uh, there's, the Lord draws, what you said beautifully, the Lord draws you to himself. Nothing that you and I endeavor to get involved with spiritually is of our own, pretty much of our own, like I'm just going to become a spiritual person. The Lord draws the heart. He causes you to, you know, you look all through there. Jesus shows up in people's life and goes, okay. Hey, throw the nets on the other side. Get ready, guys. Get ready. And this incredible catch of fish and the, 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 the anointed moment there, and Peter is just shocked out of his mind, and he's like, he knows that he's, this is another realm invading his realm because he, he was up all night, you know, and this, this, that, that's not possible, you know. And he comes to the shore, falls on his knees, and says, depart from me, I'm a sinner. And Jesus goes, you have no idea what's going to happen in your life. Follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I was thinking of Paul as a template because he was religious, and there's a lot of people who grow up religious. And when you grow up religious, all of your good works is basically your identity, and it doesn't pan out. And so you end up being angry at people, and you have a controlling attitude because you were told that the better you are according to this these rules that you have to follow, it's just nonsense. It's really nonsense. Religion is real, just death-dealing stuff. Because the Bible says that your righteousness, your personal righteousness, is filthy rags. And when you go look up that word, it means menstrual cloth. And I don't think there's anything you can do with a Tampex other than throw it away. And that's your righteousness. Your righteousness is slough off that's useless, that you can do nothing with. In the Bible, that's your righteousness. So why even try? Just flush that and commit to Jesus doing his work in you. It's kind of interesting how graphic you can get and go, I got all their attention, Lord. <laughs> I have remember that joke. I'm going to tell that joke. Okay, you are mine, Song of Solomon. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. There's something that happens. I was talking to, I think it was Evie, about, um, how many of you know of Heidi Baker? Heidi Baker. Evie, Heidi Baker is a, a wonderful, wonderful prophetic woman. And she tells the story of how her and her husband end up being missionaries to Mozambique. And she said, the Lord appeared to her. And she starts crying. He says, he looked me in the eyes. He said, you can't look in the eyes of Jesus without being changed. And she says, when he looks at your eyes, and Jesus is looking at your eyes, and she starts seeing all these Africans. And he's transmitting his passion to her. And they go to Mozambique. And they got all these street kids. They just started snatching them up. They started getting saved. Just the miracle power of God. You can't look into the eyes of Jesus and not be changed. And so 
now I'm going to shift gears. So you say, well, you know, knowing your destiny is all well, good, good, Pastor, but I just, I just let me get, let me have God's will for me right now. Does that sound good? So there's some basics. The will of God starter kit. <laughs> Are you ready? Buckle up. Okay, here you go. This is the will of God for every single person. Are you ready? This is God's will for you. Ready? Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's number one. Your body is a spiritual. You know, we always laugh and say, hey, the only problem with a living sacrifice, it keeps crawling off the altar, you know. But the point is, all spiritual life is physical. It has to do with your body and the governance of your body. All of it is. Now, in the second part, here's this. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the testing, by testing you may discern. Here it is. What is the will of God? What is good, acceptable, and perfect? So you and I, this is the will of God. Have your mind renewed according to the word of God. That's the will of God. Then you'll actually know. Now let me throw some things at you that are the will of God. Number, this is the next one. First Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Try that shoe on, would you? How's it fit? Does it fit good, or this is a one? This is a will of God you may need to work on. Giving thanks in all situations, in all situations, not for them, in them. This is the will of God. You want to know God's will? Here's God's will. Give thanks, give thanks in, in situations. This will clean you up. This will clean you up. The will of God will clean you up. Because the will of God is to give thanks in all circumstances. Because you'll be the one shining light in the middle of it all. I remember Larry Titus when he went over to plant a church in Youngstown, Ohio. And I was on the phone with him. He said, yeah, we got over here and there was this church and they invited me to come and and so me and Debbie over here and somehow they found this old constitution of this church whatever and they somebody it was a, it was a religious war thing and so they called all these people who hadn't been there in years to come and have a vote according to this little bylaws thing and this little constitution of this church and voted that they couldn't come those people didn't even go there he says so I'm he listens this is a man of God so I'm just, I, I, he gives thanks in all situations. He says, I'm just scratching around looking for the will of God now. He wasn't blown apart by it. I was like, wow. And then he says, you know, we found this, they found an old Jewish synagogue that was abandoned and it was for sale. And they went to the city and they had like $5,000 they could put on a credit card. He said, we'd like to buy this. There was other people. There were three other people that were looking at the building, wanted to buy it, but they had a vi they explained their vision to the city council. And he said, we like your vision. And they raised up a work of God in the, pover in the impoverished area. And it, to this day, there's another pastor there ministering to addicts and all this. It's just a great Mary Hall is there. Yeah, it's incredible. Scratching around looking for the will of God in giving thanks in all things. Giving thanks in all things. Are we ready for the next one? Buckle up. I like saying that. That's funny. Buckle up. Ready? First Thessalonians 4.3. This is the will of God. You ready for the will of God? Here's the will of God. Your sanctification. 
that you abstain from sexual immorality. In this culture today, that's the will of God, just like it was in that culture. Hey, they were loosey-goosey back then, too. The whole cultures were based on perversion. The Corinthians, to Corinthianize, it meant to be a, a, a pervert to the max. And then, so, then I put this one last. This is the will of God, First Peter 2.15. For this is the will of God. Are you ready for this one? Look at this. By doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That's the will of God, that you do good. That you are the person that shows up and you do good. And they go, ah, I can't put that guy down because he took care of my sick grandmother. He ministered into my family. I didn't like him before, but they're so nice. So here's the end. Ready? Ephesians 2.10, the passion translation. We have become his poetry. Recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he's given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring these sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It is my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Let's worship. Lord, I thank you for the destinies in this room. 
I thank you that you intercepted lives that were going nowhere. And you planted the seed of your great purpose in us. We want to be what your love will make us be. We want to do what your love will empower us to do. We want to become what your precious grace will enable us to become. And so we give you praise today. We thank you for... We just ask now that somehow we would see ourselves and see others through the eyes that you have. We ask for the great revelation of who, how you see these eyes of our understanding being enlightened. We know the hope of our calling and our inheritance in the saints. We would know that, but we also see people, how precious they are to you, no matter who they are. We just surrender freshly. We give you our eyes. We give you our ears. We give you our mouths. We give you, we submit our bodies to you. We give you our feet. We give you our hands. We give you our hearts. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us walk this way in the name of Jesus. Amen.